0: Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, we want to read a passage here and then we'll be turning to the book of Galatians, but Romans chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 5. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness." Turn, if you would, then, to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says in the letter to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the privilege we have to gather to say turn in your Bibles to that we have Bibles to turn to that we have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we've been taught how to read. Lord, that we can comprehend the Word of God. We thank you. We thank you for your Spirit that then truly is given to make the Word come alive in our lives. And and I pray that um, we would be very attentive to your Spirit's leading today. Lord, Lord, I just ask your mercies and your help in this message today that you would be glorified in the message, in our response to it, and in the fruit that is yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if, if you are a follower of college athletics at all, um, each year at various times, um, Just a couple months ago or a month ago, they sign high school athletes will sign a letter of intent, meaning I am going to go to the University of Iowa and play football or UNI or ISU. And there is huge recruiting efforts put on beforehand to try to get these star athletes and it is major businesses are invested in rating these athletes, and if they're a five-star athlete, that means they're the best that, that they can be rated, okay? And five-star, four-star, on down, all right? Here in the state of Iowa, regardless of what university it is, we seldom ever get five-star athletes here. It's, uh, pe- they don't want to come to Iowa, okay? But it's, it's interesting to me, those that do come here from out of state, um, they often end up staying here their entire lifetime because they find out it's not such a bad place after all. If Iowa schools get a four star athlete, that's like, wow, he's a four star athlete. Normally, the colleges get three star or below athletes. And, um, And so they do pretty well competing against other schools that have these five-star athletes. But there are many of them that are five-star athletes coming out of high school that just really, really disappoint. I remember a number of years ago, Iowa got a four-star quarterback that, whoa, wait till Jake becomes a not Jake Rudock. this was Jake Christensen, becomes a quarterback. Well, he bombed out Royal, okay? He ended up starting and losing and losing his starting role and leaving the school and transferring to another school. He didn't live up to all the hype. He didn't live up to the potential that people thought he had. You know, we as believers have great potential because of Jesus Christ. We heard Wednesday night in our study on how people change that because we are united with Christ, because when we come to receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, That puts him at work in our lives, and we have great potential because of who he is, not because of who we are. That's why it's called the gospel. That is great news, because every one of us have major, major limitations, and we're aware of those, and we know the lack of potential we have, but our potential is not because of who we are, not because of our experiences, our potential is because of Christ. It's because of the cross and the definition that they gave regarding the cross. It's not just the cross that um, we think of in his crucifixion. When Paul talks about the cross, he's, he's talking about the life of Christ. Many believers think of the cross as an escape route from eternal punishment to to eternal paradise. But on the cross, Jesus Christ did so much more than that. He united us with the Father through His life, His death, His resurrection, and then He ascended to heaven, and after He ascended to heaven... All this is involved in the work of the cross. He gave us His Spirit to believers, and the Spirit was given to lead us and empower us. And not only did He give us His Spirit, we read that Jesus Christ, this is all a part of the work of the cross, is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He is pleading our cause before the Father, and we heard some of that um, Wednesday night. And this is all a part of the work of the cross. He promised to someday come again. So we, based on all of that that he's done, we have great, great potential because of who Christ is. And we heard Wednesday night in our study the potential that we have is that we do not have to sin anymore because of who Christ is. You often hear jokes about people dying and meeting Peter at the gates or or dying and standing before God. Um, Without getting into great detail, there are There is not one judgment. There is judgment for believers, in essence, and judgment for unbelievers. As believers, we will appear, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 tells us, as believers we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of the things that we have done in our body. What this will involve will be showing what we did versus what we could have done. This is this is our potential. This is what we did. It's not going to be a, a place where you're going to stand before Christ and answer for every sin that you did. Our sin is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we will see what we could have been, and we will also see what we were. And Paul, throughout his letters to the various churches, is often urging the believers to to grow to to live to your potential and he 's giving them exhortations um, in this is how you do that and in Romans chapter six that we read earlier, he said you we no longer have to live as slaves to sin. What Jesus did is he broke that bondage of sin. We're we're not servants to sin anymore. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And he said in the passage, so can I go do whatever I want? He said, God forbid. That would not be walking in the grace of God. That would be walking in the old way, the old man. But he says, we have the choice to yield our members, uh, meaning our body, we either yield it as an instrument of unrighteousness unto sin, or we yield it as an instrument of righteousness unto God. Every day, every moment, we're yielding one or the other, to the flesh or to the Spirit. And Paul is writing to them, and he's urging them, to yield to the Spirit, because that is how you will live to your potential. So we want to look this morning at how to maximize your potential. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... Yet not I, but it is Christ that lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He begins with, I am crucified with Christ in Christ's death. I need to identify with his death and so that it's no longer I, the old man, the old flesh living and in control of my life. When I came to trust Christ as Savior, I said, I have been running my life. I've filled it with sin. I cannot forgive this sin. And I am now giving control of my life to Jesus Christ. And he is my master. He is my Lord. I no longer am in charge here. To maximize your potential, we must die to self. We are crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that liveth. I am crucified with Christ. This means um, a death to self. It means that, first of all, the gruesome death of the all-glorious, innocent, loving Son of God for my sin was Him taking my place. It was an open display of the hellish nature of my flesh. And when I see and believe that He really died for me, then my old proud self, which loves to display its power by climbing ladders, by desiring the praise of men, by trying to have my own morality and intellect and beauty, when I begin to see that this is what Jesus did to destroy my own flesh, my own desires, then I understand If this is what forgives my sins and this is what he did for me, I will die to self to live for him. We have to realize only self leads to sin and death. It leads to eternal death. We have been set free from the old master of sin. We have been set free and we have a new master, Jesus Christ, when self was running your life, how was it going for you? It wasn't going very well. But this dying to self is a continuous process because self is ever-present and it wants to take back the rule of your heart. The flesh is always there and it continually wants to take back The rule of your heart. So Paul says, first of all, we need to die to self. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We said part of the ministry of the cross is the life, death, resurrection, ascension, and the giving of the Spirit, the ministry of Jesus Christ when he ascended to heaven, to every believer. He gave the Spirit. And to maximize our potential, we need to let the Spirit of God do His work in our life. God gave His Spirit, and it is given, John 16, 13 says, to guide us into truth. He is our personal guide through the journey of this life. And He is given to guide us into truth. And as we have the gift of His Spirit, it is imperative that we let the Spirit of God do His work in our life. When He directs us, then we need to obey it. The Spirit will teach us everything that we need for life. He'll teach us what to think, what to say, what to do, where to go. And the Spirit of God works in conjunction with the Word of God. The Spirit of God is the author of the Bible. So, when you hear someone say, the Spirit of God led me to do this or that, and it's in direct contrary, it's contradictory to the Bible, you know some Spirit may have led them to do that, but it wasn't the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will never lead contrary to the Bible. Because He's the author of the Word of God. We live in a day, not that today's unusual from any other time in history, but where we as people love to say, well, God led me to do this or that. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, and it violates the principles of God's Word, it isn't the Spirit of God that is leading you. But the problem even more so among we as Christians is how much of our life we live without allowing the Spirit of God to teach us. The thoughts you're thinking right now, are they directed by the Spirit of God? What you say to people after the service, or at work tomorrow, or on the telephone, are they directed by the Spirit? Where you go on the Internet, is it directed by the Spirit of God? To live up to your potential, We must let the Spirit of God do His work in our life. And when He does His work, it will produce in our life love and joy and peace and long-suffering and temperance. All the things of Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit produces. See, and this is the potential we have. I am now, I have trusted Christ as my Savior. I am a child of God. He has given me His Spirit. And my potential is to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things. That's my potential. Well, that's not just not my nature. That's right. We know that isn't your nature. That's the nature of the Spirit of God. That's your potential now because He's put a whole new element in your life. It's called the spiritual life. He's put the Spirit of God in your life. And so where you used to respond with anger, you now respond with, with long-suffering and gentleness and love and joy. Why? When we let the Spirit of God do our work. But if our mentality is God came and the work that he did is to save me out of hell, we will be right back walking like we did before. We won't have love. We won't have joy. We won't have peace. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not doing his work in our lives. But you say, what the Spirit asked me to do, honestly, it's it's nigh unto impossible to do it. And you're you're right. Because the Spirit asks us to do things that in and of the flesh we cannot do. And that's why to maximize our potential we must depend upon the power of Christ. Depending upon the power of you of Christ. Um you may know that um, the Duarte's traveled up to Wisconsin, and they left Martine here. They didn't just leave him here. It was planned. to. He's staying here, um, living with us and things a uh, couple months while they're up there. So let's just say um, tomorrow morning I say, Martin, we're going to go cut wood. So um, come on up here, Martine. We're going to go cut some wood. We need to cut some wood. And I, I go out and I say, here you go.